0: Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Book of Numbers, chapter thirteen. Numbers chapter thirteen, and we will spend from verse twenty-five. And we're going to read the chapter 13. So 25 to verse 33. Numbers 13, 25 through 33. Let's alternate reading one verse, shall we? And this is the reading of God's word. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Amen. Let's pray before we begin. God, we thank you for gathering us for worship. And God, we stand in your presence. God, we long to glean from you, Lord, this morning. God, I pray not only for just understanding of the mind. God, I pray that you would just speak to into our hearts. Would you fortify our faith, Lord? God, we yearn for the promises of you to be actualized, to be realized, Lord. May your people today... God, be planted firmly in your word, God. God, I pray that uh, we may not die off in the wilderness, God. May we retain our faith, Lord. May we be even stronger during this time of waiting. And God, lead us indeed into the promised land. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I imagine that every single one of you Have asked these questions, or even perhaps now are pondering these questions. And the questions are such that God, what is it that you want to do through my life? God, what is it that you are doing in my life right now? How about this? God, when do I get to experience your goodness? God, when do I get to live and walk in your blessings? If we can be even more frank, we say, God, when is it my turn to get your goodness? When do my promotions come? When do my blessings come? And the last question we may ask is, God, where are you? You. God, are you with me? God, are you still for me? And these are some of the questions in waiting or while waiting, we question the character and even the goodness of God. Friends, today I want to unpack um, the sermons. Sermon really today is about understanding the promises of God. And us, we as people of God, that we ought to yearn for the promises of God and what we actually need to do while we are waiting for these promises to be fulfilled. You know, it's my observation as a pastor, as, even as a fellow Christian, and I see too many Christians falsely, falsely believe that God's promises are automatic. Many times you and I believe that when God promises us something, we think the actualization or the realization of these promises are just automatic. We remove ourselves from the interactions of God. We remove ourselves from what God commands us along the way of these promises coming to be true. And it's also my personal pain and frustration to see so many people not able to see the promises of God being fulfilled in their lives. I see too many people of God dying off while wandering around in the wilderness because they do not understand the purpose of the wilderness. They do not understand how God's promises actually are coming to fruition. And I want to address these specific areas, three in particular So that you and I can understand and embrace as God's vehicle in actualizing his will for us. As you you and I need to understand that that there is a wilderness portion. And on the path onto the promised land, we will face the unknown. And certainly on the way to the promised land, you and I are going to face a lot of giants. Meaning you and I are going to face a lot of obstacles. So there's a wilderness portion where God is silent. There's an unknown phase where, where we are facing the uncertainty and the unfamiliar. And we are certainly going to face a lot of hardships, seemingly the giants in the story that we have just read. First, let's talk about the wilderness experience. A wilderness experience is a necessary component in God's promises. When I talk about the wilderness, understand this. During the wilderness period, God's voice is infrequent. God's interactions with you seem far less than normal. Meaning during the period of wilderness, even when you pray, you feel like God is not answering to you. Even when you pray, you feel like God is silent. You feel like God is ghosting you, and you and I know how, you, how that feels, right? Or maybe I know how that feels. When people ghost you, there's a clearly message being sent towards the direction of God, but there's not as many messages coming to you. And what happens in the season of wilderness? And I need to let you know, in case that you have never believed this to be true, For you to reach the promised land, you will certainly have to travel through the wilderness. God's promises are not automatic. Better yet, God's promises are never immediate. When God calls you for a promise, you will have to endure through the moments and periods of silence. And when God is seemingly not as intimate with you, does that make sense? You know, we, what do we want to do as human beings? We love comfort, do we not? Maybe just me. We love comfort. We love the certainty. We love the grass when it's green. Man, do you guys remember last year when, when man, there was a heavy drought, and, and I got a, certainly I got a notice from the city, say, hey, man, your house, uh, we're in a, a statewide drought, so please water your garden only two times a week. I designated a period where Monday, I mean Wednesday and Friday. And as a good law abiding citizen, as a compliant citizen of my city, I did that. Man, it did not go two weeks, and I started to see my grass turn brown and ugly. And I saw some of my neighbors turning, just completely taking the grass out and putting dirt and putting gravel and turning into like a desert garden with brown, reddish rocks and cactus, cacti everywhere. Okay, we're just giving up. And we go through these seasons. When we go through the seasons of wilderness where there's not enough uh, watering happening, we wonder what our lives would look like. But I want to tell you why God necessitates the season of wilderness on the way to the promised land. Why does God lead us into the period of wilderness? It's because God is preparing you. God needs to prepare your character. God needs to prepare personality in you. God needs to mature you so that you will be able to be a good caretaker of the promised land God is calling you for an assignment there is a promise but for you to be a good steward of God's promises you also need to mature and I'm telling you maturing happens and only in the wilderness maturing happens when God is not as uh, vividly uh, um, present in your life in your moments of enduring, in your moments of waiting, in your moments of God's silence, in the moments of frustration, those se- that season is necessary because God is infusing in you godly character, godly flavor. Come on, somebody. How many of you guys know fruits and vegetables? I'm not a, I'm not a farmer, uh, uh, what is it, professional farmer. I'm, I'm just a, a casual wannabe green thumb. But even as a casual, I know the importance of the dry seasons. You see, years ago, precisely 15 years ago, I dabbled into a little uh, gardening. When I was living as a missionary, calling boredom or uh, wanting to be uh, resourceful with the little land that I have, I think the size of maybe these three rugs combined, as a small little yard in, in the house that I had lived in, I planted. In that little garden, I planted cilantro, peppers, corn. Oh, corn, that was wild. That was, I was not ready for that. <laughs> and we had a little grapevine in my front yard. And I was determined, even though I knew nothing, so I called my driver, and he basically paved the whole thing. All I had to do was just plant the seeds, and my job was just water the heck out of the garden that I had now. Weeks leading up to the spring season, I'm out there watering. And I just, I knew exactly how hot the Afghan sun was. So came around April, I'm like watering it, you know, it's like 80, 90 degrees now. By the morning, I'm watering it twice a day because I want to make sure that I want to see all of my crops, all of my plants turning green and and, and beautiful. And I don't know much, but one thing I could do, I'm going to water my garden. And sure enough, responding to my faithful gardening, these these little crops began to shoot up, green, turning green. And and the little peppers were were getting longer, fatter, and oh my goodness, it looks so good, right? And the grapes were being, on the clusters, they were um, um, forming. I don't even know the right terminology. I'm like, yes, it's going to be great. And I think about a month and a half later, I began to, you know, like, you got to harvest them, Right? And I was like, so proud hey Tonight, we're going to eat the fruit of our labor. Take the peppers. Come out. And to my disappointment, the peppers had no taste. Super juicy, super crunchy, but absolutely lacking any spicy flavor. I'm like, it's crunchy, but I'm thinking... But that's not who you are. <laughs> you need to be spicy. <laughs> so I, I walked over to my neighbor's house, and, and I called the monk. and said, hey, uncle, like, what's going on here? Like, I've, he's like, and, it's, and he turns to me. Oh, that's the way he tastes it. Which is a universal language. Of, oh, disappointment. And he asks me, Scott, did you water these? I'm like, that one I was ready. Oh, yeah, I did twice a day, every single day. I did it for the past two months. And he said, no. He said, that was your mistake. He said, you don't ever want to water these too much because the more you water, the less flavorful it's going to be. When these peppers are drying in the heat, in the dead heat of the sunlight, and it's about to die. That's when the spicy flavor gets built in. See, right then and there, you water them just a little bit. And you let it go. Thirsting for water. Just in the, And then you water again. I said, Scott, how often did you water? Twice a day. Seven days a week for the last two months. And he said, what about the grape vines? What about the grapes? I said, Uncle, same, same scenario every day, twice a day. And he said, actually, the grapes, you water them even less. You just let the spring rain take care of it, and you leave it alone. I mean, again, I had no idea. You would have done what I had done in the past, given the similar situation. Isn't it funny, though? Isn't it funny that how God matures us, how God infuses character, how God infuses personality, how God matures us and grows us? Let me tell you, friends, growth happens when God is silent. When God is not seemingly as active with you, when God is intimately leading you into wilderness, he's saying, I know what I'm doing. I'm maturing you. I'm developing in you a godly character. I'm developing in you this delicious taste because I want you to be impactful when you encounter the people in the world. That's a good place to say amen. Seasoning happens in the wilderness. Seasoning happens during the dry seasons. You see, um if you think about it, what did the Israelites know about the promised land? What were they ready for? They had just spent more than four centuries being someone else's slaves, and, and God was leading them. What did they know about being a nation while living as slaves? What do they know about hearing God's voice? What do they know about God following God's commands? You see the 10 commandments, where did they come from? It came from the season of wilderness. It came from while, while they were eating the same thing every single day called manna, literally translated. What is it? They spent 40 days eating what... They didn't know what they were eating, but because God provided them, God was nearing them, God was intimating with them. I'm teaching you my ways. You're being more familiar with my voice. You're being more familiar. I'm customizing you in my ways. I'm building your character up. You see, that's what God is doing. Some of you guys are frustrated right now. Some of you guys are lacking out of, running out of patience. I want to tell you, God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. Well, God knows exactly what he's doing in you. If you fret, if you grow impatient, say, God, God, please, 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 right now, right now, I guarantee you, you will not. Be as strong. Let me tell you another thing. Faith is affirmed and confirmed when God answers. But faith is certainly strengthened in God's silence. Let me say it again. When you you pray for something and God answers, God gives it to you right then and there, your faith is what? It's confirmed. It's affirmed. Oh, this is what I believe. This is what I pray for. And this is what God did. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord testimony we testify right but faith is only strengthened in the period of waiting when we are still journeying through the season of uncertainty that's when faith is being strengthened when you're waiting so while we are waiting the longer we wait i'm not cursing you by the way guys i'm not i'm not praying for you that God would never answer you for a long time. But if the reality is you and me through the course of our lives, there are many things that we had to wait a very long time for. A relationship, a breakthrough in profession, a business idea, family building, whatever it is. If we had experienced waiting for certain things from the Lord, Know that God is strengthening your faith. God is strengthening you. God is building character. God is readying you so that you may be a capable steward of the promise when you do see it fulfilled. You with me? Second lesson I want us to pay attention to is this. The promised land always passes through an unknown territory. You know, after I wrote that this morning, as I was reading, I don't know if that makes sense. But here's my gist the promised land always lies beyond the unknown. You have to pass through many uncertainties, you have to pass through much of unfam- uh, the things that are unfamiliar to you before reaching the promised land. Check out this verse. This is actually chapter 14, verses 2 through 4. And these are the Israelites speaking. If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. That is not a statement of uh, praise, by the way. That is not them uh, speaking out of joy. okay? If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land? only to let us fall by the sword. Our wives, our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Guys, think about this. They're saying that they would rather return to a lifestyle of a slave then being continuing to journey on in the wilderness with all of the freedom, the wonderful promises of them having a nation of their own, they're saying, you know what, I'm going to forego the promised land. My life was better when I was a slave. They liked the idea of having different meals, eating something other than manna. You know, they like that they wake up every day, they know exactly where their workplace is, they know exactly what time to get to work by, say, you know what, I think life of being a slave is better than living here in the wilderness. Think with me, how crazy is that? They chose the certainty of slavery than the possibility of freedom. If you and I, do we not, do we not love information? Maybe maybe I'm just most I'm gonna I'm not gonna say all because some of you guys are really like you guys are okay. You go, hey, let's go here. I'm not packing anything. But some of us say hey, say, say, hey, tomorrow we're gonna take a quick camping trip to an uh, unknown destination in the Santa Barbara County. And I know that from some of you guys, I'm getting like 25 emails. Scott, where are we going? What are the routes we're taking? What do I need to bring? Do I bring a sleeping bag? What degree of sleeping bag do I need to pack? How many meals are we going to have? Are we taking coffee breaks? What kind of music are you planning on having us listen to? So many questions. We want to know, right? Because why? Knowledge helps us. The more we know... Better it is for us to participate. But the reality of the plans and the vision of God, when God calls you for something, how clear is that picture that God shows you for? Not very clear. Let me just extrapolate that more. When God communicates his vision for my life, what do I want? I want a video clip. 1080p. Oh, actually, actually, no, that's old school. Four, four. I got four, four, four. Do I hear four? Do I hear eight? AKT. Okay, 4K is good enough. God, show me in 4K quality and UHD 80, what, 80-inch 80 TV. 80 is the biggest TV that I've seen in someone's house. 80. God, show me with clarity. God, I want to see the pores of my vision statement. God, I want to feel it. But isn't God old school? And that he takes snapshots. Here's a plan for your life. It's clear, but it's just a snapshot. It's a still photo. I would have to use all of my imagination for God's vision to be actualized in my life. Oh, so frustrating. And when we get that God says, you know, click, here's the next step. God's old school like that. God has always been true in that way ever since the Old Testament. Because why? The more you know, less faith you're going to exercise. The more I show you, you're going to be less dependent upon me. So the less I show you, the less you know, your relationship with me is going to be much, much healthier. One snapshot here. One snapshot here. By the end of it, God's a masterpiece, master artist, and is putting the mosaics together one piece at a time. You look back and say, wow, we get surprised. Better than the 4K video clip. How many guys know the promises of God always necessitates you facing the unknown? I asked you this question, what would your answer be? What is the opposite of faith? Some of you may say, fear. When asked this question, I answered, fear. I was quite proud. I know. And the person who asked me that question is like, yeah, well that's a That's actually elementary answer. Like, how dare you call me elementary? He said, well, Scott, like the opposite of fear is actually sight. Because if we see, we don't exercise ever faith. Has God called us for? Has God called us to be a people of Faith? For us to be a people of faith, God is always going to lead us to see not as clearly. I mean, let me, let me paraphrase that. That's, that sounds terrible. God is never going to show you all the things of the promises all at once. You take a step closer, the picture becomes clear. You step, a cl- step one step closer, the more and more. As I get closer to Sue, now I'm seeing. Back here, he's just a handsome man. I see his uh, 10 o'clock shadow on his face, his doubles. I see the pores on his cheeks. I see the details of eyebrows. Friends, may you and I not resist facing the unknown. If there's a little bit of unclearity in your life right now, if you're frustrated because you can't grasp all of God's promises, how, they, how that entails, it's okay. Embrace it. Embrace it. You see, the fear of the unknown is directly proportionate to the unwillingness to change. God is going to have to change you. God is going to have to make you be comfortable with being uncomfortable. If that's the reality, you and I certainly cannot be stubborn and say, God, I'm not going to change. God, I don't want to I, I know everything. Let me ask you a quick question. On the scale of one to five, how would you rate yourself in being unwillingness, being how willing are you to changes and adapting to new environment? How willing are you? On the scale to one through five. I'm going to say one. You know, I don't like change. I'm a, I'm a one, through and through. How many guys? What would you say? Two? Three? Four? Five? Well, five is like, man, you got the fun people. Let's go! Any, any fives here, four or fives? Many of you guys probably have preferred to answer three. That's so indicative of this statement. Why? We like being three because it's so safe. (laughs) If we're gonna go one direction, God, I would rather be in the middle. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? But if God is calling you for a new land, new promises, we have to be daring to get out of the comfort zone. My sermon in two weeks is gonna be if you wanna walk on water, what? You have to get out of the boat. But we like comfort. We like certainty. Why do we have routines and habits? Because it works for us. It's easier for us. And I wonder, because of our unwillingness to move and budge in the direction of God's vision and voice, we are lost again. We are stuck in the second year, Not going anywhere significant. Being frustrated again by the lack of progress, God says, come, enter the unknown. The title of today's sermon is unknown. The whole week, last week in the office, I was singing the, what, let it, not let it go, um, Frozen Part 2. Unto the unknown, into the unknown. Day two, Casey started singing. It's ah, Scott, I... I hate why am I singing this song? He's like, Good, God is speaking to you. <laughs> and to the unknown. We as people of God have to, we must travel through. Guys, when God released the promise to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. When they were entering Egypt, when they were beginning slavery. You know how many people Abraham had in his family, descendants? Seventy. God called these 70 people, begins a period of four centuries. During that time, God God would plant them into the most powerful kingdom at that time of Egypt. God would grow the Israelites from the family of 70 members all the way to 2 million people. God would use Egypt as a surrogate mother to mature them, to give them this prominent number now, 400 years later, now they're ready. Uh, You can't, I mean, mean, uh, you're a nation of 70 versus we're a nation of 2 million. That voice mattered, absolutely. You see what I'm doing? You, You see what God is doing? God used them. During that time, God releases the Ten Commandments. During that time, God is releasing the infrastructure of a government. Israelites are now familiarized with God's voice and God's way. And now, in this land of the unknown, God has prepared you. Israelites again said, God, I don't don't do well with this. I would rather go back being a slave rather than the possibility of freedom. Friends, may you and I never choose a certainty of what is within our grasp and understanding and comfort. May we never exchange that for the promises of God. Amen. Third and last. God's promises are never actualized without struggles or difficult choices. Say it with me. God's promises are never realized without struggles. That's a long way of saying there will always be giants in the promised land. There will always be opposition and opposing forces in where God is leading you to. Abraham in Genesis' account was led to Canaan, which is a promised land, but there was a famine in the promised land. What what were you talking about? How is it possible that the 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 place of promise, the land of great clusters so big that two men had to carry? How is it possible? You know, if you read in the book of Genesis, the Canaan land, there was a famine. But by the time God calls the Israelites to occupy the land of Canaan, it was a land of what? Milk and honey. Canaan was a good place. Canaan was, what's the modern day? Can, I don't, Canaan was America. Can we still say that? Canaan was, I don't know. Where else are you envisioning to? Okay, where else would you rather be? Okay, Canaan was Hawaii. Okay, is that better? What are you happy with, folks? Canaan was Bora Bora. Are you okay, good? Oh, tough crowd. All right. Canaan, when God called them, long before they were struggling with famine, but by the time the Israelites would get there, it was a land of flowing milk and honey. What happened? Think about it. The presence of giants is... A po- uh, proof that you are entering the promised land. I want to say that. Where God has called you, if you see obstacles, if you see hardships, you should be relieved because God's promises never are actualized without any opposition. If you feel dry, frustrated, yes, you're in the right place. You're going the right way. If you're in unfamiliar territory, you feel like fish out of water, guess what? You're in the right place. God is still leading you. And if you're like, oh my goodness, I can't do this on my own. This is too way beyond my understanding. I'm not equipped for this. Guess what? Be glad again because the presence of the giants is proof positive that you are entering the promised land. Many people when we talk about God's promises and God's vision, we think there's going to be a red carpet rolled out for you. Do you think there's going to be a li- limousine service waiting for you, sir? Thank you for uh, enter- arriving here, at the promised land? Please write this way. No, 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 that's not going to happen. You are surely you're sure to face the giants in the land. There will be struggles. Let me read for you, Deuteronomy chapter six verses 10 through 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Mark that word. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Joshua chapter 24. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. So God is saying, A lot of, hey, you didn't do this. You're not responsible for this. Hey, you didn't prepare this. You did not plant the olive trees, the grapes, all of this. God is not dissing you here. You know what the scriptures are telling me? I planted other people so that I'm preparing for your arrival. You think about it. Do you know why there were giants? Do you know why there were many giants in the land of Canaan? Because God prepared the giants to be there to ready the land for the arrival of the real owners of the land. The giants did did all the work. Come on. That's good news for us. God prepared for you sovereignly. These giants, I I don't know, the the sons and daughters of Nephilim. Nephilim are just giants. I imagine at least these dudes were like 8 feet tall. At least. Minimum. When I have to dig 10 times, these guys have to do what? Just one dig, that's it. There were a lot more proficient and a lot more trained workers than the Israelites ever dreamed of. So for you and me, when we are going into the land of the unknown, when we are passing towards the promised land, fear not when you hear of opposition. When you run into roadblocks, when you run into people that you are unfamiliar with, celebrate because God has planted them to ready the soil for your arrival. May you and I never give up. May you and I never, uh, what is it, never fear the giants occupying where God is calling us to be. Because why? The presence of giants is a proof that you are entering. The promised land. Are you facing difficulties today? Are you frustrated because you don't really know where you're going? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you sad because there are a lot of opposition? Maybe in in the work that you're pursuing. Maybe even the family planning that you're doing. It's just there's, you know, a lot of roadblocks. I pray and pray and pray that we do not give up. Feel the intimate leading of God. I totally understand. I totally understand. I think Israelites to this day they're they're known as the their their the nickname is like the grumbling the complainers. It's so sad. It's so sad. Like. Thousands of thousands of years later, they're like, oh, they're the complainers, the Israelites. But when I read the story of Exodus, I totally understand the frustration. I would be so angry at God. I mean, the historians are now saying the place that took them 40 years in the wilderness, if you're fast, that journey could be made in six days, guys. God is so inefficient, is he not? God, six days, not even six months, not even six years, not even 16 years, for 40 years. Can you imagine these guys? These guys have must have been expert hikers, like tour, automatic tour guides, two million Jews. Like, I know this mountain, I know this trail, like back of my hand, or Palm of my hand or whatever you're more familiar with. Back in front. 40 years. That's a long time, guys. But it was all by God's design. So can we not give up? Amen. Can we be strong? Maybe. Does that mean we can still celebrate and we can still worship God? Absolutely. Does that mean your turn will certainly come? Oh, yeah. Does that mean my breakthrough is on the horizon? Absolutely. Enemy will say, Oh, you will never get yours. Satan will say, Oh, man, not you. Oh, look, look at the life that you've been living. No, hold on to the promise of God. Some of you parents, you need to be resilient people. You know what you and I are responsible for our children? You know what the next generation is craving for? Actually, they don't even crave it because they don't even know they need it. You know what they need? They need grit. You know what they need? They need patience. We're living in a generation That if there's a slight lag on turning up that next page, www.whatever.com, if there's a slight blankness, we get so frustrated. Next time you go to the hotel with your kids, see how long it takes when they ask for a Wi-Fi password. Nanosecond. What's the the Wi-Fi? Or maybe that's some of you guys. (laughs) We must not be impatient people. God needs some time to do his work. Let us not forget. Let me invite the praise team to come on up. As I wrap up this sermon, was this okay, guys? A lot of changes coming for your life. A lot of big shifts coming. Welcome then. Ride the wave. Let's not settle for doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm going to read for you a list of names. I want you to be able to identify who these people are Shemua. Don't laugh. Funny names. Don't laugh. Shaphat. Igal Paiti Gadil Gaddy Emil Sithor Nabi You guys are really discouraged, aren't you? (laughs) well. You're hoping, Scott, read the correct version, man. Not one name. I just read to you, 10, Of the 12 spies that were sent, which those spies came back and reported to their leader, Moses, we saw the scrapes so big that we could not carry, but we also saw many giants that we would never be able to handle. So these 10 came back and advised Moses that's not where we should be. It's great that God has called us for the promised land. It's great that that land has our name on it. But they are too mighty. It will be too difficult. The two names that I haven't mentioned to you by far the more popular one, which some of you have named your children after. Joshua, Caleb, mighty warriors and generals that would eventually succeed the leadership of Moses and would lead the Israelites to be God's chosen people. How is it possible that same people At the same time, traveled to the same land and saw the exact same thing, they come back with a completely different mindset, completely different attitude, 10 worse, paralyzed in fear. Two came back and said, guys, oh my goodness, you'd have seen the size of the graves, You should have seen the land. May we not be derailed by majority. May we not be sidetracked by what is familiar to us. But man, may your faith and my faith be defined by man. And to the unknown we go, God. God, call us for something bigger than our abilities. God, call us for something that makes sense in our own minds. But God, call us for something greater. And God, let us hop on and enjoy the journey, God. God, we have no idea what lies ahead. But God, we want to say yes if it is you leading us. If it is you calling us, God, we want to say yes. Because we know that you will be with us. You will accompany us because that's a promise you made for the Israelites. And God that you will one day allow us to be living in the land of promise. Our character will have been developed. We will have been fully matured God. So God we endure through this season that we are in right now. May the power of your love May your presence be our mark, Lord, and we will go wherever you call us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name.